Welcome to War in the Spirit, your resource for spiritual breakthrough and warfare, empowering you as believers to tap into your authority using the tools provided by God to bring about supernatural shifts. God, we thank you, God, that that you have given us your trust to move and speak and, and walk in your favor, God, and to speak on your behalf. We ask right now that you would just touch this word, God, that you would just allow it to convict the hearts of your people. God, we ask right now that, that you would allow understanding that let every man and woman that has a fear hear and get an understanding for themselves. I ask right now that you would move me out of the way, God, that you would speak, that you would take over. In the mighty, matchless name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. I literally just sat it like for something, and I was like, God, what are we talking about today? Um, and so what he dropped in my spirit was rebirth. Today is a new day. Um, so that's what I'm going to talk about. Um, and so, you know, it's so interesting because uh, I think Friday something popped up on my calendar and it was something that apparently I had added to like my phone calendar and it said my day of ascension. And I was like, what is this? I don't even remember putting this on my calendar. And I looked at the calendar and it was for Sunday, April 19th. So then I look at the calendar, the, like the Apple calendar and it said Orthodox. And it was so funny because last week I kept telling, I kept saying, you know, it doesn't feel like the resurrection. We're still in the rest. We're still in the Sabbath. And I'm going to tell you how amazing God is. He was like, no, it's not the season of resurrection yet. Why? Because this past Sunday was the Orthodox Easter. Last Sunday we celebrated the, was it last Sunday? or two Sundays ago, I think it was last Sunday, we celebrated the Catholic Easter. So that was the Easter established by the Catholic Church. This past Sunday was Orthodox Easter. So I thought that was so interesting because the word that God gave me was, today is a new day, there is a rebirth. So I'm going to start because the first scripture he gave me was Genesis. So Genesis 1, 1 through 5 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night and there was evening and there was morning one day. You see, this is the word that God gave me. He wants to make you a new creation. He wants to wipe the slate clean for you and leave what's in the past in the past. And so what I was thinking about was sometimes when we go through process, 
we 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 have all of these experiences why because the process is difficult right the process is hard the things that we go through in the process are all difficult and sometimes we take that anguish that we experience in the process and we try to take it with us and so what god was telling me is that we have to let go of the anguish of the past so that we can receive the deliverance the blessing that god has for us and so you know it's so interesting because i started to think about um jacob and esau and it kind of goes along with what I was teaching about last week about the manna and how it's going to fall from heaven and you don't need to try to bake your own bread. So here it is. I put the text there, but for the sake of time, I'm kind of going to paraphrase. So here it is, Jacob and Esau, right? Esau exchanges his birthright for food, right? He says, I'm famished. But Jacob said, first sell me your birthright. Esau said, behold, I am about to die. So of what use then is the birthright to me? And Jacob said, first swear to me. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew. And he ate and drank and rose and went on his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. And so as I was reading this, I was thinking to myself, how many times do we get frustrated in our current situation to the point where we're overlooking something that God has put in front of us because of our immediate circumstance? You see, have you come to despise your birthright because, you, because of what you had to do to get it? Wake up and realize that in this moment, you're choosing to give away, give it away for some temporary feeling. You see, sometimes we get so caught up in the moment, in our frustration, in the things that we're going through, that we can't see that there's a whole inheritance that is going to sustain us for a longer period of time than what our temporary circumstances are holding us back in. You see, Esau gave up his birthright for some earthly need. Will you do the same or do you realize who you were created to be? It, and, I'll, and I'll show this to you in the scripture in a few minutes. But it had already been prophesied. This is the funny thing. See, there's, there's the side of Esau, right? And then there's also the side of Jacob. So Jacob used deception to get access to his birthright. However, it had already been prophesied that he would be the favored son. It had already been prophesied that he would rule over his brother, but he used a deceptive method to get it and he never had to because God had already ordained him for the inheritance. Don't try to go get it yourself. Allow God to create the new thing for you. Let him shape it. Let go of your past so that you can receive the inheritance that he has for you. You see, Jacob was already ordained to get it. God had already put a plan in place. Just like Jacob and Esau, your elevation will result 
in the fall of someone. So, you know, this is something that we all have to come to grips with also. In order for something to rise, something has to fall. It's just like in, um, uh, let me see, Proverbs 13, I've got it in here. I think it's verse 22. It says, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children and the wealth of a sinner is stored up for the righteous. So in order for something to live, something has to die. Something has to fall in order for you to rise. So just like when Jesus rose, the unbelief of the people had to fall, right? So his resurrection was proof of what had been spoken about him and his identity. So there are things that are going to have to fall in order to result in your rise. So in order for you to win and receive an inheritance, something or someone or some situation has to fall. That means it needs to be let go of, whether it's a person or people, a mindset, a perspective, hurt, disappointment, whatever it is, it's time to allow it to fall away so that something can rise. You see, Jacob and Esau couldn't be the recipient of the inheritance. Both of them couldn't be the recipient of the inheritance. Either one or the other would be the recipient. So now the question is, are you going to seize your inheritance? Or are you going to give it over to your hurt? Or are you going to give it over to your disappointment? Are you going to give it over to your bitterness? Are you going to give it over to your past experiences? Are you going to give it over to the people in your life that have persecuted you or done you wrong? Are you going to give your inheritance over to someone else because you cannot allow it to fall away? And it, it made me think, of, I know plenty of y'all have seen the movie, uh, Get Out. And it made me think of being in the sunken place. Is your decision to hold on to the things keeping you in the sunken place, hypnotizing you into forgetting who God truly created you to be? And I'll tell y'all, I mean, like my process has been crazy i mean crazy i've been mad at god i've been upset i've been disappointed i've been bitter i've been resentful i've been all of those things i've been hurt i've been whatever if you can think about it i've been it and what god has been doing lately is peeling back those layers that the process put on me right so god puts you through process for a reason but then at some point you have to push aside the previous process so that you can step into the next of what God wants you to have. So he's trying to create something new. So which takes me to this next scripture, Genesis 25 verses 19 through 24. And this is about the birth of Isaac's sons. Now these are the records of the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son, Abraham became the father of Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah, Jesus, the daughter of Bethel, the Armenian, of Padan Aram, the sister of Laban, the Armenian, to be his wife. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife, 
because she was barren and the Lord answered him and Rebecca, his wife conceived. You know, and this makes me think about us, how we'll get in process and we'll think to ourselves, nothing is ever going to be birthed out of this process because I've been waiting for too long, because I've been trying to conceive some Jesus, because I've been trying to conceive something for too long, because I haven't seen it come to pass, because I haven't seen it manifest. But, but watch what happens. Here it is, and the Lord answered. And Rebecca, his wife, conceived. But the children struggled together within her. And she said, if it is so, why then am I this way? So God, if you put something in me, why am I still going through all this pain? God, if you called me to this position, why am I still going through all this pain? God, if you've said I'm so uh, uh, worthy, God, if you've, if you've said I'm your daughter or I'm your son, why am I still going through all of this pain? Why am I this way, God? Why haven't you shifted the circumstance? Why haven't you changed it? So she went to inquire of the Lord and the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb and two peoples will be separated from your body and one people shall be stronger than the other and the older shall serve the younger. There's the prophecy right there about Jacob and Esau. Watch this, guys. When her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. So watch this. You were, she was saying, God, if there's something in my womb, why am I still in all this pain? God, if something has been conceived, why am I still in all this pain? But watch this. It doesn't say those twins were in her womb when she conceived it says and it also doesn't say when she delivered them it says when her days to be delivered were fulfilled behold there were twins in her womb so watch this you've been looking for something in your womb you've been looking for the evidence of something that is to be birthed but the something that is to be birthed will not be evident until the point of deliverance. And until the day when God has ordained for you to be delivered and for his word to be fulfilled over your life. But you've been looking for it. You've been looking for the evidence of what's in your womb. See, you are to birth nations too. You you have a great purpose and you are going to birth nations out of you. You are going to birth new systems, new understanding, new perspective, new revelation. But you're looking for the evidence of it now. And it won't show up until the day that is designated for you to be delivered. See, Rebecca had to go through great pain and discomfort for what she was to birth, just like you did, just like in your process. You went through great pain and discomfort. Why? Because discomfort is the place of growth. You can't grow in the comfortable place. Why? Because when you get comfortable, you stay put. 
which means you don't move forward. So God makes you uncomfortable so you will get up and move forward. You see, there are nations, like I said, in you too. So don't be jaded by the birthing process so much that you miss the nations that are in you. For it says when her time came to be delivered, twins were in her womb. So uh, what you have been looking for won't even be implanted into your womb until the moment of deliverance. So let go of your labor process. Yes, it's been hard. It's been difficult. But don't allow that to ruin the experience and the reception of your miracle. You see, when, when a woman goes through labor, right, she's actually birthing out a miracle. But if she hangs on to the, the, the anguish and the pain and the suffering that she went through to birth out that miracle, she won't even be able to enjoy and appreciate the miracle. See, when she goes through labor, there are four stages that she must endure. These are the four stages of labor. The first stage of labor is thinning, effacement, dilation. That's when most of the contractions, you get all the heavy contractions when, the, when, when she's dilating and getting ready to push. That's your process. That's what you've been in. You've been in the first stage of labor. The hard part is over. You did the hard work already. Don't clam up and refuse to push now because that stage of labor is the longest stage you did that hard part the second stage of labor is when the baby moves through the birth canal this is when the woman is ready to push the baby out the push is the moment of deliverance. See, this is the moment that we are stepping into now. You've been in the first stage of labor, in the process, in the hard part. You've been having labor pains and contractions and going through all these different things, but God has been testing you to see if you would endure to the end so that you could get the miracle. You must allow your mind to progress from the pain of the contractions now to the push out of what God has placed in you. But see, many women, when they're having contractions and it's all this pain, when they get to the pushing part, they don't want to push. They're too tired to push out, to push that baby out. But what they don't realize is they're at the finish line at that point. And what you need to realize is you're at the finish line at this point. Don't get too tired to push out what God has placed in you. You see, those labor pains, your process produced something amazing. They produced miracles. All those labor pains that you went through in your process produced miracles. Not just one, but multiples, just like Rebecca. She had multiples. She didn't have a singleton. She had multiples, and you are birthing out multiples too. 
Now you just need to push them out. The third stage of labor, the afterbirth. See, this is the moment when you get to experience and enjoy your miracle. But you can't experience and enjoy your miracle unless you can move past the first stage of labor, the process, the thing that hurt, the thing that you never thought you'd get past. And then the fourth stage of labor, recovery. This is the stage when you get to recover all that you lost in the process. It is your birthing season. But for every stage, your perspective has to change. See, as you go through each stage of labor, you need a new outlook. You need a new mindset. You need a new heart posture. You need a new perspective in order to respond in accordance with what God is doing in that moment. So you must change and shift in order to be able to respond with the shift that God is making. And which with each shift, there is a progression and a relief in the pressure. So as you come out of the process, the process was like being in a pressure cooker where God is just pressing you hard and pressing you hard and pressing you hard and pressing you hard and trying to get the oil out of you. But now he's released some of the pressure and, and you're going into the push process. There's still a little pressure involved in the push process, but it's nothing like the first stage. And when you move into the afterbirth, there's still a little pressure involved, but it's nothing like the second stage. And when you move into the fourth stage of labor, you're in the recovery. There is no pressure. But in order to be able to move through each of those stages and be able to receive what God is doing, you have to shift your perspective with each shift that he's making. I was talking to some uh, of my friends and we were talking, I was talking about how God is doing something different now, where before we were, uh, we were going season to season. God was talking about the new season. However, now there's a shift in circumstance. So the circumstance is bigger than the season. See, because you can go through multiple seasons within one circumstance right? So uh, I've been in a, a great transition in my life, right? I mean, I've, we've probably been in transition for probably something like a year and a half, two years. And I'm like, God, when is this going to be over? I've been in labor for so long. I can't even feel my legs no more. I'm tired. I'm over it. But I knew when the season began to shift. Why? Because I felt the pressure lit up. And understand that now, see, what happens, see, see, the season shift is a spiritual thing, right? So what God was doing was shifting you from season to season in your heart, in your mind, in your spirit to prepare you for the circumstance shift. See, now what's happening is heaven, what's been happening in the heavens, what God has been doing on your behalf in the heavens 
is coming into alignment with the earth. So it's bringing a circumstance shift. Your circumstances are about to change. See, all this time he's been changing your heart and your mind and your spirit. He's, he's been changing your walk and your talk and your sight and your hearing. He's been changing your understanding and your revelation. All of those were season changes. And all of those season changes occurred in your current circumstance. And now that you've achieved the posture that you need, now that you've dilated to the point that you need to push, there's a circumstance change. You see, in the first stage of labor, there's also several stages in the first stage of labor. The first half of the first stage of labor is not considered active labor, but then when you get to the second half, it's considered active labor. See, that's like a season change, but the circumstance, see, you're still experiencing the contractions within the first stage, right? Season to season, contraction after contraction after contraction after contraction, right? But when you get a circumstance change, you're actually receiving something tangible for your work. You're pushing out a tangible something. Something is manifesting as a result of your labor, whereas in the first stage, you're just laboring. You see nothing tangible for what you've done. So there's a circumstance shift when you move into the second stage, the push. Because the push is when you begin to see things birth. The push is when you begin to see things manifest. The push is when you begin to see something tangible for all your work. See, before all your work was manifesting inside you. But God had to shift what was inside of you first before he could shift what was around you. Now that we are in the second stage, he can shift what is around you. And you can see the tangible side of your labor. So like I said, for every stage, your perspective must change with each shift in order to be able to respond. And as God releases the pressure, you have to let go of the last stage so that you can shift into the mindset that you need for the next stage. And so I, I, I put this here and, and you guys can kind of read it. I'll read through a few of them because we're, we're kind of running down on time, but I'll read through a few of them. But um, so this is Proverbs 13, chapter 13 and Proverbs chapter 16. And they are both a contrast between the upright and the wicked. So I'm going to read a couple of, maybe just a couple of verses from each chapter. It says, a wise man accepts his father's discipline, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. From the fruit of a man's mouth, he enjoys good, but the desire of the treacherous is violence. You see, Verse six says, righteousness guards the one whose way is blameless, but wickedness subverts the sinner. There is one who pretends to be rich, but has nothing. Another pretends to be poor, but has great wealth. And I'm gonna tell you, this one particularly struck me because when I think about process, right? And sometimes 
we get in the place where we're like, man, God, I've done everything for you. And I feel like I've gotten nothing for it. And it reminded me of this line that says, another pretends to be poor, but has great wealth. And we'll look on other people and go, man, they've got the stuff that I've been praying for. God, it seems like you answered their prayer. But watch, those, there is one who pretends to be rich. So there are people out there who you look at and they seem to be rich, but they actually have nothing. Why? Because they don't have the thing that counts. They don't have the richness of the spirit and the presence of God. Another pretends to be poor, but has great wealth. See, you have been looking at yourself as poor, as not having what you need, as feeling like you're living in lack, as feeling like you're stagnant and not moving forward, but you have been attaining great wealth. Because wealth is manifested in the spirit before it is manifested in the natural. The currency of heaven is established in the heavens before it can be established on earth. And chapter 16, verse 1, the plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of a man are clean in his own sight, but the Lord weighs the motives. And so I put these here and I would encourage you guys to go and read them because I believe that God is going to be using them very much in this season because God is creating a contrast, a very stark, distinct contrast between you and those who have not been in alignment with him. He is making the world know that he has loved you and that you have loved him. You see, there are many people out there that appear to love God. They appear to have relationship with him. They appear to be in position. But what's about to happen is the truth of everyone's heart posture is about to be exposed and God is drawing a contrast. He is about to let the world know just how set apart you are. He is making your earthly life match up to your heavenly pursuit. So let go of where you have been so that you can embrace where you're going. It's birthing season. Don't get so caught up in the labor that you miss the miracle. And I'm gonna I'm gonna uh read this scripture, uh Matthew uh six, one through six. Uh I'm gonna read, I'm gonna start at verse three. But when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving will be in secret, and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. When you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men truly i say to you they have their reward in full so understand that god is about to show and prove what you've been doing you see the word says 
all things work together for the good of them who love him. And God is about to show the truth of who truly loves him. Uh, he's about to show what's been happening in the dark. See, we, we have that, we have that, uh, uh, that saying, uh, uh, what's done in the dark must come to light, right? And that we, we always look at it as a negative context. But in this season, God is exposing what you've been doing in the dark so that the people can see you in the light. He's bringing you out into the forefront. This is a rebirth. It is a new day. The same way that the earth started formless and void. Your situation is started, starting formless and void. It's a clean slate. It's a white clean. You're not taking none of that old stuff into your new season. But in order for that to happen, you have to let go of the old stuff. You have to let go of the old mindset so that God can shape it up, so that he can create your sun and your moon and your stars, so that he can separate the skies from the, from the seas, so that he can create uh, 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 the harvest, the fruit. You have to let go of what you experienced in the previous seasons in the first stage of labor so that now you can move into the second stage. Don't miss your miracle because you're caught up in the labor. <laughs>